commercial versus residential, when to get into commercial roofing. I think a lot of people start getting the desire to get into commercial roofing because they see, you know, a big job getting done and they're like, why can't we do that? Now I'm starting to do these bigger jobs and I screw up a job. What's it going to cost me? 100,000, 200,000, 500,000. If you're not ready for that, you maybe shouldn't be in this world yet. Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown and this is the Hook Better Leads podcast. And today I have Paul Reed on. And the name of your company, I know you do Commercial Roofing Academy, but what's the name of the roofing co company? Northwest Roofing. Northwest Roofing. Northwest a roofing. legend, really. I mean, I've literally had tons of people say you should talk to Paul Reed. Today we're talking about commercial versus residential, when to get into commercial roofing. I know a lot of people try to make little commercial divisions, and I'm, I'm guessing if you're versus them, you usually eat them up on jobs just because, you know, having yeah. a specialty is very good sometimes. My question, my first question is just like a little bit of your background, though. Why, why are you kind of looked to as an industry leader? What have you done so far? So I've been in, in the roofing industry. This is actually my 31st year of being in the roofing industry. So since I was 18 years old, been in the roofing industry, um, you know, so I'm kind of the the old man now of, of being in, I think uh, one of my advantages that I have, and I think why a lot of people maybe come to me or relate to me is I actually have a roofing background. So the first, you know, 15 years of my roofing career, I was the guy on the roof actually installing, running crews and doing all that. So there's really no roofing system besides a hot tar. That was the only roofing system I haven't personally done, you know, literally thousands of squares of, so I, I think that was one of the things. And then, you know, I think social media has definitely, you know, kind of put me out there for whatever rhyme or reason, you know, kind of got known throughout the country and roofing from social media and, and being on different stages and different conferences and, you know, um, speaking at a lot of those and, and doing things. I think that's kind of how I probably got known throughout the industry. Love to hear it. So let's say I'm a roofing company that's thinking about pursuing commercial. Yeah. Why or why not would you say to try or when or when not to try? Yeah, great question. I think that the reality is, is most roofing contractors, especially like in the in the storm industry, because, hey, well, let me let me back that up just a second. You know, there's really kind of two types of roofing. There's what we call, you know, what most people that maybe be watching this this channel are like actually storm restoration guys. You know, they're kind of may have an office, may it be a brick and mortar office, but they're more kind of a paper company, you know, that chase hell storms, wind storms, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes. And to think that we're a little bit heavier on the retail side for the the viewership right. of Yes. Dang, we're, perfect because I love that. Yeah, we're so just to be clear, like I kind of talk shit about storm uh, sometimes. So just for fun. I don't really like I <laughs> love both. I, I think insurance restoration is great. I just ultimately because who we serve is a little bit more local roofing companies because we're search focused. So that's why our clients tend to be retail or at least have a good chunk of retail because they're a little bit more anchored. So they have to, you know, I love that. I love that because now we're talking, now we're talking with real roofing contractors. Yeah. Now we're talking with the real roofing contractors. So, so absolutely. I love that. But you know, because there's a huge difference. Most people don't really realize that. But I think most most companies, you know, they they do want to get the bigger jobs. You know, they're 
they're they've been successful going around you know doing the 25 35 square residential roof and they see all of a sudden apartment complex getting roofed and they're like man i would love to roof that like that's kind of the the pinnacle so i think a lot of people start getting the desire to get into commercial roofing because they see you know a big job getting done and they're like why can't we do that and i talked you know, to a, a guy yesterday who was uh i was at an atlas event and he just showed me on his phone he said oh, look at look at this job i signed yesterday and he was like it was eight hundred thousand. and i was like what what does that mean for your personal income and he said like 80 or something anyways yeah. i just i'm blown away by the 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 numbers like for me 80 like seven years ago would have been like that's the year, you know what I mean? For my yeah. whole year. So it's just kind of wild to think about how big of the numbers can get on, on the multifamily and commercial side. And so well, is so that what they could be the big, the big numbers, uh, money they, signs in their eyeballs. They do because, you know, some residential roofs, you know, call average commission, couple thousand, two, 3000 bucks. And all of a sudden they sell this great big job. I've seen, you know, guys sell, some of these jobs that are literally life-changing jobs, you know, that like almost break generational chains or curses of, you know, being poor or whatever you want to say, right? And and people are able to, on some of these rips, they're they're making two, three hundred thousand dollars. A lot of times, a salesman can make on on one of these jobs, you know, in, in one check. That's I don't care who you are. That's a that's a life changing moment. So oh, yeah. I think financially, I think that's the drive for a lot of guys to want to get into commercial, and you know, they're thinking, well, I could roof this job. I could maybe roof a bigger one. So that that's kind of where it starts for most people. And you know, we we kind of warn against you know jumping in because there's a lot of things that you don't realize. You know, as far as cash flow and you know different production methods and all of those reasons why you need to kind of Hey, let's slow down and and instead of running in and going head first, let's let's slow down and build the foundation and the base, you know. And that's that's one thing I really preach. So the foundational elements. What are the foundational elements that people need to have in place so that they can actually have a real commercial company? I think as odd as it sounds, I I don't believe, and especially in the storm side. You know, most retail guys, I think, are a little more sophisticated in, in the business aspect. I think that one of the issues we have in the roofing industry, most roofing companies, and, and you've been around, Tim, for a long time and, and see a lot of companies, but most companies don't really run their company. You know, the company's running them, and they don't really understand the cash flow side of it. Uh, that's, a, that's a huge issue that we have, is people don't understand their own business. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of companies were running multi-million dollar year companies and we're still running them as a mom and pop business. And mm -hmm. I'm not knocking a mom and pop operation, obviously. But, you know, if if you if you look at the whole grand scheme of things in the world, like how many companies in the world actually do over a million dollars a year in revenue? Mm hmm. It's like, I think this, like 15 or 10% or something like that. Like out of I, my stats is low single digits that really? I, depending on where you Google. All right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Places but it's, that it's I've looked. How few? Yeah. It's, it's very few. So yeah. let's just call it 5%. Okay. Right. Out of all those companies that do that, most, the majority of those, I would say 99% of every company in the world that's running over a million dollars in revenue they're running a kind of on a sophisticated level for the most part, you know, maybe have a CEO or a COO or a, 
CFO. It's generally not being run out of your, you know, your garage. We understand our numbers. We understand, you know, all the way down. I mean, very granular on our numbers. And I think that most most of the companies don't have that in place. So that's why I warn so heavy about, you know, let's build this foundation and actually know what's going on in your own company. Just because you're doing a couple million dollars a year in revenue and, you know, you pulled a couple hundred thousand dollars out doesn't really mean that we're sustainable, right? Because what happens when a storm doesn't hit? You know, what what happens at that point? Yeah, and you, you talk about before we jump into commercial, make sure the foundation's right. I think part of it too is like, basically I can see this in our type of business. When I was at a previous company, like too, like they would do large jobs. They would try to get a right. they would bid on a large job. It was different. It was like web development, right? But the point is like we'd bid on a large job, but we didn't have the technical skills to manage or ensure like they were going to outsource it. And it, right. it literally like, this was one of those defining moments for me that made me want to have my own company. Cause I was like, we all have them, right? Like yeah, that was a resentment that I had. <laughs> but the point is, is like, I was like, I am going to be the one that has to clean this up. You know what I mean? I'm the web developer. I don't know how to do that work. And we could yeah. become, it doesn't matter how big the price tag is on the revenue side. If I, if we get that job, we could be wildly unprofitable because the well, bigger the price tag, the more unprofitable it could be t- potentially. Absolutely, man. And, and here, here's the, the, the biggest thing about it. I talked, obviously I talked to a lot of roofing contractors all across the country, a lot of residential guys. And, you know, I have some, some guys I say, hey, have you ever messed up a job and you had to completely redo it? And, you know, there's a few that are like, no, we haven't messed up a job. But the majority say like, yeah, we've, we've had to redo a complete job. To the guys that haven't had to do it yet, you will. That just means you haven't roofed enough houses yet, yeah. right? Eventually you're gonna screw a job up. So in residential, worst case scenario, if I have a 30 square job and I screw it up, let's say I put the wrong color on or the, the crew didn't fasten it properly, you know, blah, 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 whatever, and I had to replace the roof. Worst case scenario, it's going to cost me six or seven thousand bucks, right? I'm going to lose six thousand, yeah. maybe ten thousand, yeah, right? Sure. Worst case scenario, I'm going to lose ten thousand yeah. dollars. But if I get it now, I'm starting to do these bigger jobs, and I screw up a job. What's it going to cost me? Hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand? Yeah. I I've had I have jobs that we've screwed up that cost me three four hundred thousand dollars. Jeez. And. If you're not ready for that and and able to do that, you maybe shouldn't be in this world yet, right? Like that's where I'm saying we need to kind of build up and and maybe you know get a little more money in our pocket and savings or or things like that because it's roofing, problems happen, leaks happen, crews mess up, whatever happens, you you could be in severe severe trouble. So you should have some bank, and you should yeah. probably have some lines of credit. I'm guessing as part of that. Well, absolutely. I mean, we're not waiting on Mrs. Smith to write us a check on Friday for, you know, $6,200. I'm waiting on a draw from whatever management company that owes me $648,000. You know, and I've already spent all that money from paying the crews, paying my material and, you know, all of those, all those issues. So it could definitely become a a huge issue cash flow. So as far as, do you have to like, because you have done these types of jobs, like you done TPO on a roof and stuff like that. If you're a roofer, 
who grew up in, let's say, residential, and you mostly worked with shingles and maybe a little metal or something like that, do you have to learn these commercial roofing systems down to a technical level for you to do this profitably? Let's say you have, you know, a million bucks in the bank, so you're ready for some risk or something like that. Mm -hmm. But do you have to like study this to the point where you could put it on yourself to get into this business? Uh, absolutely. So there, I mean, there's, I've seen guys, you know, that, that do it, you know, and they somehow make it through because maybe their crew knows how to install it or blah, blah, blah. I feel that the successful companies that are out there that are doing it, they understand the technical issues. Cause like in a TPO roof system, there's something like 76 different ways that you can install a TPO roof. You know, in shingles, like there's one way, go put nails in the damn thing, right? Put some step flashing, right? It's it's not it's not that technical. Maybe two I, with the layover. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's but there's it's there's yeah. a handful. Yeah. But I I I believe that yeah you you need to to learn the roof system. Yeah. I say that all I say that all the time, and and because listen, I I I say this if you move to France, right, and you're going to be in France the next five years, are you going to learn French? Yes. More than likely, right? You're not just going to, you know, point at items on the menu and hope that you got whatever it was. You don't know. You're probably going to learn the language because this is this is where you live now. So we're in roofing. So how do we not like dig in and, and get with suppliers and manufacturers or go to different events and, and like learn all about what we're doing? I think That's it's a dabbler mentality. That's what I think it is. And yeah. I, frankly, some of my favorite guys dabble. You know what I mean? Like, and so let's just talk to them for a second. Like, cause, cause there's folks that do little commercial jobs here and there, right? Like 5% yeah. like of their business. Would you tell those guys to stop dabbling? Cause, cause I could see the benefit of that, right? Like it's probably, those probably aren't your most profitable jobs if you're doing just dabbling. Cause it's guesswork at that yeah. point. It's yeah. guesswork. And some Absolutely. Get the worst jobs because like the, the people that were specialized in commercial didn't bid that hard on that job. You know what I mean? It wasn't the best job. It's kind of a yeah. small job or whatever. Did your company want to build your brand and get more jobs in the neighborhoods you're currently working in? The brick by brick playbook allows you to establish your brand, your reputation and gain trust in any neighborhood in your service area with a series of four postcards sent once a week to the neighbors of your current jobs. If you want to get more work in the neighborhoods you're currently working in, Get with the team at Dope Marketing and get your brick-by-brick brick playbook set up today. No, it's it's absolutely. I think when you start looking at some of these commercial deals and you're kind of dabbling and you're guesswork and, you know, you're throwing a bid out there and you're saying, well, it's 200000 and we could do it, blah, blah, blah. I'm, hopefully I make 30000 bucks on it. You don't really know. I think the more sophisticated companies and, and when we get in commercial, it gets a little more competitive. You know, it comes down to dollars and cents a lot of times. And, you know, if I could look at the same roof system, but I understand and I know how to build that roof better, more, more, you know, cost effective, more efficient. And I could come in at, you know, 195 and, and make a better margin than that guy that was, you know, bidding it too. One that's thing, a powerful thing. That, that is beautiful. And that is, I think that that's ultimately like what happens in storm markets too. Sometimes the mm -hmm. local guy doesn't need to gouge because he'll be there and he wants his reputation to be good. And then the storm right. guy comes in and tries to like, you know, I got, I'm, I'm like away from my family. I got to make this worth it. This $20,000 yeah. job is $30,000. And then 
that's kind of how roofers sometimes get a bad name, right? Like there's a little bit of, and that could happen on the commercial side. It sounds like I also been on a few, you know, commercial roofs, like, and there's like, let's say we're in the middle of tear off or whatever. What are you, what do you guys call that? Is that same thing? Same thing. Yeah. Tear off. Yeah. And then like, there's like layers that are just like soggy, but this is a, this is like a, bigger problem than a like a residential tear off right like when when you start looking underneath and see just crazy water damage i'm guessing that can start to be way more expensive than just replacing some decking well it's not yeah you're not running to home depot and spending 76 dollars on decking you know (laughs) at that point you're you might you might be spending 76 thousand yeah you know because you've dabbled and you didn't really understand your whole job and it it this is what we do for a living right like Again, if I if I move to France, man, I'm I'm going to learn the language. So if I'm going to be in roofing, why it's it's not that hard. It's not rocket science, you know. It's it's basically all we're trying to do is keep water out of a building. So talk to me about the commercial uh, side with insurance. How do you guys? Let's say somebody. I'm just I'm doing this for me because I'm very curious, right? But yeah, let's say somebody was trying to get into it, but they're trying to understand how much is insurance work? Is most of it insurance work? is there is there quite a bit of retail still i mean it's just such big numbers at that point it's hard to imagine that your your average business has an extra five hundred thousand dollars for their re-roof well it's always it surprised me right when we jumped into it and you know we've been like say the last five years in denver you know, all the commercial work, and I've done tens of millions of dollars of commercial work in Denver over the last, you know, five years without a storm. And that's all, it's all been retail, you know, there's, so there's different, different things. Sometimes like a strip mall, it's leaking really bad. All the tenants are complaining. They have no choice, but to go ahead and do that. Then there's other things, you know, that, that won't really get into that, you know, on multifamily that when they're refinancing and they're redoing all those things, they're trying to spend money with their, with their, capex money mm. you know so a lot of times they're Capital they're spending your money that's that's interesting yeah I like so that. they're they're fine, fine spending two million dollars on this roof you know because they need to spend that money could you, you know could because you mind a little deeper on that topic because that's an interesting one and then we'll keep going because i think that's interesting the capital they have to spend money because what is it well it depends when they're refinancing so you know the way that a lot of these guys are set up you know they're all investments that's that's you know when when someone owns a commercial building what that actually is that's an investment mm-hmm. right they don't just own it because it's fun like they're hoping to turn an ROI on their investment they bought it at x and they're trying to run it for how many many years and then sell it for a profit mm-hmm. so there's there's different models and there's different property management companies or or ownership groups REITs real estate investment trust people that you know they'll look at say a multifamily property and they're going to come in and they're going to say try to buy this property for say ten million dollars, and you know they they funded it, and then they're going to come in and they're going to borrow against that, and they're going to come in and what they're trying to do is raise their like their their rent number. So if they're when they mm-hmm. bought this property, it's renting at a thousand dollars. So what they do know is if they go in and they invest X back into this property, you know a couple million dollars into putting say a new roof in you know, new landscaping, maybe remodeling kitchens or whatever, they're going to raise their cap rate and their rental to say $1,500 a month. And so they have this money that, that they've pulled from the banks or wherever they're getting their money. 
that they need to spend that on the capital improvements. Does that like also relate, maybe I'm just off base here, but does that also relate to decreasing like their taxable, taxable liability too, or is that not related? Yeah, there's all those things too. I mean, these, these guys are, they know how to make money. Yeah, they're crazy. Right? Like, like, they're basically they, like trying to yeah. pay zero taxes half the time. Absolutely, yeah. I understand and respect. Um, yeah. And then, and then like, you were kind of going on a list of different reasons that there is quite a bit of retail and it's not all insurance. Um, is there anything mm -hmm. else that you... Yeah, because listen, and a lot of insurance work that gets paid for by the insurance company in different markets, it turns into retail anyway. You yeah. take the Denver market, if we got hell again, because we've had so many storms in the Dallas market, their deductibles now, like on, on you get a storm damage from, from a hell storm, their deductibles may be five or 10%. So you have a property and all of a sudden they're deductible to replace these roofs are a is a $2 million deductible. The roof was a million dollar job. Yeah. So it turns retail anyway. Yeah. So we, we need to learn all about roofing because we need to bid. Most roofing companies, and especially on the storm side, yeah. they only know how to write an exactimate, yeah. but they don't actually know how to bid a roof, a retail yeah. bid. It's always kind of funny when you see retail guys that like, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason are writing executives are like this stuff it doesn't yeah it's crazy yeah, yeah. it's so weird because some i hear different things like people say that storm is way more lucrative and then other people are like i'm trying to write an exactimate and these numbers are just off for our market so i think it might depend on where you are in the country but from your point is. which one is more lucrative on average Brother, it's where you're at in the market where, where yeah. you're at in the country so in denver storm is way more lucrative than retail if we're, if you know, different areas that I work across the country, retail's way more lucrative than, than storm. It just depends. And I've never found out a rhyme or reason why yeah. it's that way. But sometimes, you know, like back east, you could charge 700 800 $900 a square for shingles. If I'm yeah. in retail in Denver, I'm charging, you know, 375 And if I'm writing a good exact I might be 450 Yeah. And they're getting, they're getting paid double, you know, back east. I've heard roofers banding together and saying, hey, uh, insurance companies, this line item on Xactimate is actually just completely incorrect for our, our material. Company. Yeah, but that they talk about it, but I've never seen anybody make that much yeah, of a yeah, difference. Yeah, I've heard people that have done it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It hasn't been my experience. Okay. And then also, like, it is crazy when you see somebody, like you're saying, out east, where there will be a company that comes up and they're young and they do a crazy amount of revenue and then everyone, like, in different areas of the country, like that's there's no way. But then you look at the average job, and it's like, yeah, okay, I get it now. Yeah, these jobs yeah. are big, even for residential. Like, just the right. numbers look crazy. And commercial, in your experience, what are a few things that you would say you need to check these boxes? I know we're talking about having cash <laughs> to cover a loss or like a, a redo. Yeah. So what else would you say is like something that like people should have in place before they take that jump? And I guess we also already said that you want to be able to do the work or at least like quality control the work, know about the roofing system. Anything else you'd say really yeah. is like a crucial fundamental? Absolutely. So your your general liability insurance for one. Um, mm. Most 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 roofing contractors are extremely underinsured. I found out. Luckily, I got. I was extremely lucky, and it never nothing ever popped up on me. But when we first started, we did a whole bunch of like HOA work or multifamily stuff for like a first year. 
we realized at the end of the year that we actually didn't have insurance because our insurance didn't cover duplexes, right? Mm. And what are HOA? A lot of HOAs are like duplexes or triplexes, yeah. you know, so there's different riders in your insurance policies. So understanding your insurance, making sure that you have a, a good agent, you know, that, that knows what work you're doing and you're fully insured, you know, that, that your crews, if you require insurance from your crews, that they actually have roofer insurance that it's not like for some drywall company because they'll do things like that. So understanding your liabilities and really learning about, you know, how you need to protect yourself. Awesome. Other, any other items that you'd say, get this in place before you go this direction? Uh, the financial end, uh, the insurance end. I think it's also a mindset as well, you know, with the, with the mom and pop deal where I was talking about that yeah. earlier you know, making sure that you are kind of a sophisticated company, that you do understand um, what's going on, and also kind of the time frame of sales. You know, in, in residential, you could go out and knock some doors, be it retail or, or insurance, and you might be roofing the house next month. Yeah. In, in the commercial, you know, the average cycle of a job, I would say is a minimum of six months. Yeah. You know, so the the length of time it takes you to get a job and then, you know, you get it and then it takes you a month to roof the damn thing. Mm -hmm. All right. That's, that's really important. So have some, some, uh, runway and some time to, and I'm guessing the lead gen methods tend to be wildly different than residential as well. It's time you rethink roofing. Okay, so Refresh, Repair, Restore is not just spraying oil on a roof and rejuvenating the roof. We go in and we soft wash the roof. We have to get rid of that algae because that algae actually takes root in your shingles and is tearing your uh, shingle apart on a micro level. So we clean that roof, we get it spotless, we do the necessary repairs that need to be done to your roof, and then we rejuvenate it and bring it back to life. Make repairs profitable off of rejuvenation, uglyroof.com. I mean, yes and no, there's still call centers, you know, that do lead gen. There's still, you know, whatever we found that the we would say in our, in our experience, the majority of business that we get are built off of relationships, Yes, you know, of, of, with, with different uh, property management companies or REITs or, or people like that. So building relationships are, are a key. I mean, without. I don't want you to have to give away any of your secrets here or anything, but okay. how would I start to create those types of relationships? Like what, where would I go? Do I, I mean, it's probably not B and I, you know what I mean? Like where do we go to meet these people? Yeah. So like for the, for the most part, you're never just going to go walk into a multifamily apartment complex and say, Hey, hi, I'm a good roofer and I'd like to replace their roof and they're going to let you. Yeah. Right. Th those type of things we recommend that you start out by building a repair department. Ooh, yeah. Know, we talk about that a lot in our commercial roofing academy about a business, you know, to start out, we recommend doing repairs and, mm -hmm. and starting to build that relationship that way. Yeah. You know, out of all the literally, I've personally probably sold 50 apartment complexes across the country myself over the last however many years, one time, out of the 50 that I personally have sold, I walked in and was the owner of that apartment complex there. Yeah. And I got so lucky. She was, it was just a weird deal. She happened to be there and I sold her a roof the first day. That'll mm. probably never happen again. Otherwise, you know, we need to build the relationship. We recommend the repair department. 
I love that. I'm not going to lie. I love repairs as a strategy in general for business development and relationships and reputation. And profitable. Yeah. Yeah. Cre- creating a, a profitable repair department is good for yeah. all uh, roofing companies from what I could tell. Um, what, what else? What do you got going on right now? What can we have a like something to share about? What would you like people to check out of yours? Well, I'll tell you that my, my biggest passion is what we do with Roofers in Recovery. So with Roofers in Recovery, it's a nonprofit 501c3. We started, uh, man, three or four years ago. And through our foundation, we send men and women in the construction industry, roofing industry from all across the country. When they're struggling with drugs or alcohol, we send them to a rehab that we pay for through our nonprofit. And most excitingly, we purchased a building a few months ago we're in the process of remodeling and doing all our licensing and all those things where we'll actually have our own facility and our own rehab that we'll be able to send uh, people to. Just a concentration so, of roof or, uh, dr- drunks that are roofers as well, all in that one spot. I, I can only imagine it's going to be rowdy. It could be. It <laughs> could be. No, usually when a guy, when a guy uh, is trying to get sober, they're usually pretty beaten and, and you know, down on life. So, yeah. I've yeah. been there. I was I, yeah. uh, un, uncharacteristically uh, calm, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yes. Humbled. Humbled is what Humbled. Happens. Yeah. Most of them are pretty humbled, at least for the first week. And then they, yeah. they start feeling better. Yeah. Um, so if somebody wanted to give to that, they could, it's roofersandrecovery.com. Roofersandrecovery.org. Dot .org. Org. Yes. Check Someone that. hijacked our dot com and tried to hold us ransom and charge us like ten grand to get it back, and Weird. so we just started org. <laughs> um, and yeah. then the commercial roofing academy is that the dot com? Yes. So yes, commercial the commercial roofing academy dot com. Every two months, we bring in forty to fifty contractors from all across the country that are trying to make that transition from residential into commercial, or guys that are doing a little bit of commercial right now and want to get better. So that's a that's a year long program that we bring people into, um, and and we've had unbelievable success. The guys that have taken our methods and put into their company, and and they've they've just blown up with it. I love it. I want to give a little golden nugget here at the end for anyone that decided to listen all the way through the the kind of the the promo at the end there. So my question to you, my last question is: So you're at I don't want to say your revenue, but you, you're at multiple tens of th- uh, millions of dollars and you've yeah. got a pretty slim staff comparatively to most companies doing that. So office staff, salespeople, et cetera. Um, do you have a reason? Cause you could probably scale that. I'm guessing you could scale bigger. I, I just kind of like knowing you and knowing the commercial as you're scaling, you're like, is there a sweet spot that you are kind of trying to hang out in or are you trying to grow this still? Where are you going with this? What's a sweet spot for a commercial roofing company? Okay. I'm going to back up just a second though, because where, where we, where we thrive with like the smaller staff, right? Where we thrive with the smaller staff is this, there's a misconception, I believe in our industry. What does, what is the dollar amount that most roofing companies award their guys for hitting a year, a salesman, the average one, salesman? One milli. One milli. All right. So let's back up 15 years ago. What was the dollar amount 15 years ago that roofing contractors awarded their their people for? Oh, no. One milli. One million. 
<laughs> okay, so the average residential roof size 15 years ago was what? 6,000 bucks. Today, mm. that same roof is now $18,000. So it's mm. it's literally tripled in 15 years. The same that roof. Three million. Okay, so what if I said, I'm not awarding my guys until they hit say 4 million. I don't think, I think that, what are you doing with the rest of your day? Even, yeah. you, you know, especially in the commercial, yeah, the average job size is a little bit bigger, but even in the residential size. So you're telling me that average job is, let's call it 15,000. So these guys are selling 60 jobs a year in 360 days. So literally they're selling almost a, a little more than a job a week, right? Mm. A little more than a job a week. What are we doing with the rest of our time? So we got very, very intentional a few years ago and said, like, we're not going to accept that. I'm not awarding a guy for selling a million dollars. 15 years ago, yeah, you couldn't award a guy for selling because that dude was selling 150 roofs. Yeah. He was selling 150 roofs. Now I'm awarding a guy that's selling 50 roofs. That's, it's, it's ludicrous because we, now we're accepting kind of mediocrity. So we, we come up with a number and we're like, here's a path and here's how you could go sell $4 million. And I even, I, that path is actually 6 million for a few of my guys. Yeah. And here's how you do that. And it's, it's, we're, you know, and you know what we're doing? I'm not working 90 or hundred hours a week. You know, my guys are working a regular job. Yeah. And, and, but we're, we're, when we go to work, we're actually working because the average American, even if you're getting, if you're paying someone to work for you 40 hours a week, how many hours are they actually working? 28, 30, probably 30. Call it 30, right? But yeah. what are they doing the other 10 hours? So now you take a salesman that you just kick out on the street. He's left to his own device. No one knows where the hell he's at or what he's doing. How many hours is he actually working? Five. Because remember, he's only selling one job. He's only selling one yeah. job that week. The hell else is he doing with his time? So we just kind of set that standard of expecting more because, like, we have good people. Here's a bar. Here's where you need to be. And so we set the standard high and it's, again, it's not like I'm working these guys 120 hours a week. Yeah. Oh, I love that, man. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, the podcast is Hook Better Leads, put on by hookagency.com. Check out the Commercial Roofing Academy. Check out roofersandrecovery.org. And Paul, appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. All right. See you guys. <laughs>